This Three Beards Media podcast is sponsored by Revelton Distilling Company. When Rob and Christy Taylor started following the Kentucky Bourbon Trail in 2012, they fell in love with not only bourbon, but the entire distilling process. Just eight short years later, in 2020, Revelton Distilling Company was opened, offering an entire family of products, including vodka, gin, whiskey, and Revelton Shine. Come visit the tasting room at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, where you can sample one of their many spirits, including four gold medal winners. Can't make it to Osceola today? Not a problem, as you can pick some up at your local Hy-Vee or Fairway grocery stores. Follow Revelton Distilling on Twitter or Instagram at ReveltonDC or their website www.reveltondistilling.com. This Three Beards Media podcast may contain mature themes, and if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the podcast. Nailed it! Would you like to sample some of my nuts? Hello and welcome back to yet again another edition of Old Man Strength, a podcast of Three Beards Media and brought to you by Revelton Distilling Company. I am Tim Johnson, joined as always by Chris Shipley. Chris, how are we doing this evening? We're doing well. We're 2-0. and uh, We beat Iowa. <laughs> uh, everybody's having a hissy fit on that side. Although, you know, the entire week somehow... The local media has forgot that Iowa State won that game because all I've heard all week is Iowa and Brian Ferentz and their terrible offense. So, um, I'm th- this is one of those times where I'm very glad that I don't live in central Iowa, uh, uh up here where, uh, I've I think I've said this on the pod before. I was once at a gopher football game against Air Force, and in the middle of the game, they the crowd broke out into a chant of who hates Iowa, we hate Iowa. So um, I don't I don't live <laughs> I don't live in an area where the the Cyhawk rivalry matters at all. I certainly feel like uh, the vitriol on of Cyhawk Twitter this year has been especially uh, sharp, um, yeah. and I, I I don't know what to attribute any of but, that to any of then i mean it's, it, let's not pretend like that cyhawk game was was uh a pretty game for anybody to to watch there were a lot of mistakes a lot of ugly things no one loves to see uh a game where there are three entire scores the entire game um it wasn't like uh things were pretty but boy this this year seemed like it seems like people are just Ready to go off on I, anything. I, uh, I I said at one point we were we were only down by four. We had two fumbles, two interceptions, a f- uh, two block punts, and I was like, you know, they're just dangling the hope right in front of me, just dangling it. <laughs> I just assumed they cut my throat and be done with it because this is torture. But I did say I I finally told somebody I said, look, I, I made one comment the entire week. I've made one comment about Iowa, 
and I got hammered by this guy. And I was like, you know what? I ate shit for six years. Well, <laughs> we lost for six years in a row. And I sat here and took everybody's shit because we lost. And that's what happens when you lose. I post one thing and everybody's losing their mind. So everybody can just back off, accept your lumps a little bit and move on. Well, we've we've had so much fun uh, being comrades and making fun of Nebraska. I was kind of hoping some of that uh, that middle ground we all found was going to last a little bit longer, especially because the same week in Nebraska did lose and then immediately fired their coach. So I kind of thought, hey, you know, we can we can all uh, bask in the glow of cyclone hawkeye at the end of the day none of us are huskers so for um, sure (laughs) uh you know that national brand of nebraska football uh i have to get that dig in one more time (laughs) 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 anyway anyway uh this is not just a a si hawk podcast uh uh we although our guest this evening a returning guest this evening would would be very more than happy to uh share a lot of thoughts on that so chris as always i will let you introduce our guest well like you said uh a returning guest funny as it was about this time last year it was right before the iowa iowa state game uh we had a little cyhawk podcast and uh megatron at megs underscore isu from twitter joined us and she is gracious enough to to join us again tonight which personally i think is just another excuse for her to be able to have a drink in the middle of the week but <laughs> <laughs> meg thanks for hopping on and, and and chatting with us again oh i'm happy to be back thank you so much this is fun i've been really looking forward to talking to you guys yeah megan i have to get this out of the way uh right now it's a confession uh i was chris and i were texting about this this episode and I accidentally, I, this was a, I swear to God, it was, a, it was an autocorrect failure. It was not me. No. Uh, <laughs> I referred to you as meh. So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because that sounds exactly like Meg. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that, that's fantastic. I, I like that a lot. I had a friend who um, was putting my name in his phone and he accidentally, he swears it was an autocorrect. He dropped the G and it just said mean. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, and, he, boy, and he left it that way because he thought it was hilarious so there's, there's something about your name or your person i don't know what it is right uh yeah I yeah mean, you, i'm a little meh <laughs> <laughs> my old boss put me in hers as crid and she was like it's just too hard to go back in and change it so for like seven years that's what i was in her phone crid. i was like well at least it's a step up because i don't think half the team's even programmed in your phone <laughs> and look at the conversation and figure out who it was that texted you so no i love it. well uh megan again thank you very much for joining us welcome back to old man strength um especially given that you are fresh into a new school year I, um so we very much appreciate you taking time yeah no problem yeah day 17 today so that's teacher that's usually what teachers do. They count the days until each break, <laughs> each upcoming break, right? And no, actually, I I don't feel that way about teaching at all. I honestly like I adore what I do. I look forward to every day, but we keep track 
of the days in school. And it really, it's like our big, like we're building up to a hundred and we're really building mm, some number okay. of cents. And so, so I always know what day of school it is because we keep track every single day. So. Fair yeah. enough. <laughs> well, how is this year going with the kids? It's going really, really well. I'm having a really good year. Yeah. It's a good little group of kiddos. I only have 14 kids. Oh, wow. Which wow. is outstanding. Um, I work in a really small rural school. Um, and so our numbers are not, it kind of depends on the grade, on the, on the particular makeup of the, the, you know, whatever the grade happens to have. Um, I've had pretty big classes where I've been the only section depending on, you know, if we have enough to split and, um, the other section of first grade this year has 15 and I have 14 and 29 in one <laughs> classroom would be a lot. So I'm glad yeah. they decided to keep it as two. Um, yeah, we're off to a really great start. It's been, it's been a great beginning of the year. And I, I'm always amazed at how quickly they fall into routines and, and, um, are just kind of, it just kind of feels like we've been there for months. So, so how long have you been teaching? This is my 18th year. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. I've been there a long time. I, not all of that was in first grade. Um, my first year I was hired, I taught fifth grade and, um, the school went through some big changes that year. Um, like a lot of small schools in Iowa have dealt with, um, needing to do some whole grade, whole grade sharing, um, and kind of combining, you know, there's so many schools that have like five initials that are all coming together to one school. Yeah. Um, I, I, I was joking the other day with my dad about how there's MFL Monona Marmac. And I'm like, yeah. what a like a ridiculous school name to have all of that. <laughs> and that's been around like and that's been like that for 30 years or whatever. Yeah. So yeah. 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 So right now, yeah, the, the district I teach in has like an overarching district name, but then it can get really confusing when you start thinking about what town has which school and where kids are gonna go. And you know, it's just I don't it's not a problem that I see going away anytime soon. Um so um with all of that chaos in that first year of teaching, I actually got a pink slip that first year. Like I was going to be let go because I was brand new. I was low man on the totem pole. Um, right or wrong, that's just the way that they do it. They they cut the new guy. Um, and enough people took early retirement or had found jobs elsewhere um, that I actually got to stay. And then I switched to first grade. Um, and I did that for several years. And then I actually um, looped with a class one year. So I had the kids in first grade and then I moved with them to second grade. Like it just kind of worked out that they needed a second grade teacher in that position. And it just, you know, sometimes the numbers just work that way. And so then I taught second grade for a couple of years and then now I'm back, I've been back in first grade for quite a while. So most of the time I've taught first grade while I've been there. It's, it's kind of funny how things have so much changed and evolved. Uh, Stacy, my wife's been in the district here in Des Moines for 26 years, I think, and kind of the same deal. She came in and, and started as a sub before she got put on long term. And then here this year, Caitlin gets hired. She's a first grade teacher. So uh, oh, and awesome. yeah, she's first grade. So and her teaching partner is her uh, best friend that she graduated with. So they're both starting first grade together in the same oh school. Gosh, that's so and, 
and the district here is, I think, short 90 teachers. I mean, they would take, oh, yes. you know, as many as they could. So it, it's it's funny how that profession, I think a lot of people have moved out of there. There's a gentleman that started my work. He worked, uh, I think he's been there three weeks. He was a special ed teacher uh, here outside of the district for years. And he just up and, and moved and, and decided to make a career change. Like uh, Chris actually had a very similar experience to you in that, like he had third grade with his third grade teacher and he looped right back around. And the very next year he had that same teacher for third grade again. It was fine. <laughs> Jesus Christ! <laughs> I have not gotten enough alcohol yet for this. <laughs> well, pick up the pace, Christopher. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, I knew, I, no, I knew it was coming and it still made me laugh. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? Oh, the gang's back together. I'm nothing right, if got, not predictable. I got, um, I got roasted the last time you two were on this. <laughs> uh, no, I know. I'm, well, my, I'm my comments and my ideas have only gotten better since then. So, uh huh. Certainly. <laughs> uh, all right, go ahead. No, I no, I was just saying, like, I, you know, I'm really excited. My my daughter just started second grade, um, and uh, she just has a lot of enthusiasm. I think right now, especially these, you know, these first couple of weeks are when kids are really excited. So, um, you know, a lot of that wanes after you know another month or two into the school year. But right, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, no, I I get it. That, what is this Thursday? And my excitement, my enthusiasm for this week has waned. So it waned on Monday afternoon. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> I yeah no. I've this month can end uh, <laughs> uh, at any time. I am not well, a green. Jim, I would imagine like you probably in your job, you probably don't really have like a Monday Friday, right? Do you? Does your schedule look kind of crazy or? You know, the nice thing about in brewing is that you you can kind of do that. But, yeah, there is a, a certain extent where you just have to do, you know. It sounds kind of silly to say, but beer is essentially farming yeast. Right. And so right. You're, far, you're you're farming animals. They're just little tiny microscopic animals <laughs> that are trying to to make that that work into beer. And so you do have to kind of adjust based off of whatever is going on. I, I'm lucky enough. Our brewery is small that we can we can make some of those decisions. Previous breweries I was at. Uh, yeah. If I had to go in, I did. But also technology has been nice. Like I can't I can't work from home. Right. You can't brew from home, but I can certainly change the temperature of a tank from home. I can certainly, you know, make sure that their pump is off or what else is going on from home, which is something that, you know, used to not be able to, to happen at all, but I don't have this sit in a basement like Chris does. Uh, Joe, where I can do all of that. Right. I, I still go to the office. I went to the office three times this week. So <laughs> I might be the only one half time I go in there. There's nobody in there, but give them a trophy. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> I do. You, you mostly work from home then? You're mostly at home? My, my job, actually, it's been nice is that it's it's pretty much open. Uh, there's no required time in the office. Uh, there's no required time to be home. You can pick and choose as you want. So uh, there's been days where I've went in and worked and then something's come up and I've left at lunch and came home and finished out the day in the afternoon. So uh, I, I, I posted the other day, I 
this is the five year anniversary in a couple of days of me getting diagnosed with cancer. Uh, oh, and wow. things have really like been blessed for me, but one of them definitely is this new job, the freedom that they give me and the, the responsibility that they give me to make my own decisions and, and make my own, um, plans and campaigns and things like that and allow me to nurture that and, and, and produce it into something is not something I thought I would ever be anywhere. So yeah, along with that, the, the, the freedom that they give you to, to work where you need and do what you got to do and, and things like that is, is just, it's, I think as terrible as COVID was, I think COVID opened up a lot of avenues for companies to realize how important life balance is for their employees. Right. Some companies well, did not. Some companies have. Yeah. What's that? Maybe just that it's more possible. than Yes. <laughs> yeah. That they've realized that it's possible. Right. But I, I think I in the corporate world anyways, I've seen a big push for, I would say, them making sure that you're taking a good balance of work and and. and now that that certainly depends on the culture that you're working in and the company that you're working in and things like that. I don't know that every co- company obviously is like that, but that's just what I've seen at this particular company. Well, good. I'm glad it's been good for you. Yeah. I think sometimes I feel like the work-life balance um, sometimes gets a lot of lip service, but then you're being asked to do things that completely contradict that. <laughs> like, oh yeah, I, yeah, I, that I, does happen. So Absolutely, like, yeah. Make time for family. But, oh, um, you have 15 minutes for lunch today. This, right. this, this, this whole idea that we've heard a lot lately about quiet quitting. Oh, you mean just, you know, only doing what you pay me to do and not do, doing more? Like I, the idea that that in our culture, corporate America is so ingrained that we quiet quit rather than or just do what we're paid to do is a little. I mean, it's it's the dirty secret about. I remember, I remember the very first time I got a salary job and people were like, oh, that's the goal is to get a salary job. And this was 20 whatever years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was like, well, no, that just means you don't get paid for all the other bullshit that you do. Yeah. Um, and I think I think people are starting to make some choices for themselves because they've realized that uh, when you enter the uh, uh, a pseudo apocalypse like we did during the pandemic that that maybe people reevaluate what is uh important to them um i i certainly did i uh and i and i didn't even work halfway through the pandemic because i was mostly just trying to be home so my daughter could do distance learning so she couldn't really do that from a brewery it's not a, a safe space to do that from but uh <laughs> That's disappointing. <laughs> Meg's like, maybe I could teach from a brewery. Yeah, That'd be great. Get vaccinated, please. <laughs> so, so, uh, Meg, the last time we had you on uh, was about the Cyhawk game. Is that correct, Chris? Am I remembering this correctly? Yeah, her and Bill Blank. Yep. Yes. Oh, yeah, that's right, with Bill. Oh, yeah. Um, I... I Everything has been a little bit different about, you know, going into that game, but everything else. Um, obviously, Iowa State has had a very different team than they had last year. Different weapons, brand new quarterback, brand new running back, brand new everything. Um, how what what were your expectations going into that game? 
into this one this year. Yeah. People are going to think I'm full of shit. Okay. But I, like I always am, was very optimistic. <laughs> I was going to say, no, no, fatally, know, fatally optimistic. I, no, truly, truly, I am. <laughs> I, I know, and I don't want to sound like a Pollyanna, and I don't, I don't, like, I, that's not the goal, but um, I felt really good about it. Like, uh, I don't know. I, someone like offered to, like place a wager, like our, our football coach at the school I teach is a huge Hawkeye fan. And he was like, let's put money on it. And I was like, no, that's dumb. Which maybe makes it seem like I <laughs> wasn't <thinking laughs> it. It was more like I just work really hard for my money and I don't, I don't wager on things, but um, I don't know. I felt really good. I, I didn't feel, I didn't feel really very nervous. Um, la- last season, the 20, the 21 game, I like didn't sleep the night before I was kind of a wreck. Like I think because the expectations for that team in that season were sky high Yeah. and coming off the best season that Iowa state football had ever had um, that I was really uncomfortable. With that. <laughs> I don't know if it's just that it was just an experience with that feeling or what, but um, yeah, I 21's game, I was really quite nervous and I just felt, excited I kind of liked that it wasn't a home game and I could really take it in sometimes I feel like when I'm there um just all of the excitement and you know have well and having game day there changes everything too but yeah um that I could just kind of take in the game um with some with some friends I I really I don't know I I felt really good about it even when we were down, I thought, I think we're going to pull this out. Like Xavier Hutchinson is bound to catch a touchdown. And I totally called it like, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah, you did. I did the, the Nostradamus thing that I do. Sometimes. <laughs> hey, I, 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 I called Iowa's two safeties in the first game. I'm not even kidding. I made it <laughs> really? because I, well, I thought I was joking. I literally thought I was joking. I said, this game is going to be boring. Iowa is going to score like nothing but safeties. It's going to, it's going to be like a six to two baseball score game is what I said. So I was not really that far off. Yeah. 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 So I felt, I felt, I felt good. I, I, again, I'm not, I don't think I'm in the minority here going into a season with lower expectations, much like our basketball men's basketball season last year. It's just a nice surprise. Like when they do great, you're like, well, look at that. We, we got something going on here, you know, like Hunter Deckers, can do some stuff like that's really nice to see was also unknown and you everyone was just kind of speculating and now we have some evidence that he's pretty damn good so yeah I don't think they've talked near enough I mean I I know it's just one drive but I don't know that they've talked enough about the circumstances in regards to that drive you're at the one yard line you've already had four turnovers as a team at that point, five, sorry, you've had five turnovers at, at that point. You're in at the one you're it's your first road game as a starter in a hostile environment. Super hostile. And you drive that team 99 yards, calm, collected, making throws, and then throwing that strike to, to, to X that, that was, that was fourth year, fifth year, senior type yeah. of stuff. You know what Did I mean? You, I felt like I could feel like the collective, like relaxing of the shoulders of Iowa yes. fans after that happened. Like, right. 
Okay. Okay. Like, look at that. He can do it. I, I also think, and this is, this is purely my opinion. I think Hunter Deckers looks more comfortable with the football in his hand than Brock Purdy ever did. You know what? I'm going to, that, that's a hot take, but I'm going to agree with you. <laughs> um, I, I feel like, um, I don't know if it's more comfortable. What I would say is that Brock felt like he had to make a quick decision. And I think yeah. Hunter shows more patience. Mm-hmm. Maybe it doesn't necessarily mean he's, he's making the right decisions. He, he made uh, certainly a, a boneheaded throw. The second pick isn't on him, but the first one certainly was. And, and you know, his his pick uh, uh, against uh against SEMO, I think was also just kind of, you know, an impulsive throw he shouldn't have made or whatever. But mm-hmm. I think, you know, I, I, I give him all the patience in the world because he is so young, right? Absolutely. Um, right. I think both of those are to be expected. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I, I do think that he really um, kept a cool head when those things happened too, which oh yeah, really yeah. nice to see. Um because I think that speaks volumes about just his mental game that, that he wasn't so thrown that then he was making bigger mistakes, which has happened in the past, like with this Iowa state team with, Oh yeah, absolutely. Brock Purdy would get flustered. And then, um, then he would, then he would double down. He would try try too hard to make up for his mistake. Right. Whereas Hunter Deckers, I would agree. That was one thing I said to, to, to my friend bills. I was like, I appreciate that he has such a short term memory. Yeah, uh, on those things, which is which is fantastic. Yeah, it's also nice to see Jarrell come into his own as well. I that I think his moment arrived in Semo with that stutter step stop and then move. <laughs> I mean, that was that was legit a, a a you know that was a good move. And then for him to, I mean, they were able to run the ball against Iowa again, and that's the other thing. I was vaunted defense, which I'm not taking anything away from their defense. It's a it's a legit, legit championship style defense. And again, to be able to drive and run the ball and make those throws and so on and, and, and take that drive. At that point, once we scored, I wasn't really worried about their offense. Um, but I was worried more there on that last drive that we were going to play soft and not play a way to stop them rather than to just kind of try to bleed the clock. That's what made me nervous at the end. Uh-huh. Yeah, that, like there are times where where Haycock gets a little bit Wally Burnham uh-huh. and don't break. Sometimes in tight games like that, that it, that's where I start to get a little bit worried. Is it, it's not so much a step on the throat; it's just that trying to not make a mistake, which ends up just letting people dink and dunk type of thing. Uh, I, I mean, I'm I'm certainly probably one of Tom Manning's biggest critics, and I did not like a lot of the decisions made in that game. I certainly didn't like going with a running play with the quarterback under shotgun would would what should have been a QB sneak right there on the one. Like, like there are certainly things I think were, were challenges, but that, that 99 yard uh, uh, touchdown drive certainly made me shut up. And then the way that the defense responded <laughs> right after that made me feel like I was pretty dumb. Um, um there's a reason I'm brewing beer and not coaching college football. I will go ahead and admit that right now. That's the only reason. <laughs> <laughs> I just like to point out that we do actually have a QB under center quarterback sneak play in the playbook because I saw it when we were on the opposite side 
and we were deep in our own end zone and had to get it out of the end zone. Absolutely, it it <laughs> should it it should have happened right there on 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 the one. I'll I, that one still uh, will sting, but I, it's not going to sting that much because uh-uh. the, the end of the game. But yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, and so I make- hope you're right that Iowa's defense. I hope this year that they are as good as they typically are and as good as good as they're they think they are. Um, because you know we were able to drive down and score on that. You're like right. you hope that that was against a defense that knew what they were doing. Like yeah, that's a really good test for for that team. So we'll see. Yeah, I was I was very happy. It was it was a very weird weekend in college football though. Uh-huh. You had A and M losing. You had Notre Dame losing. You had Wisconsin losing. You had not that anyone is surprised Nebraska lost. Um, but you but you did have you know. Uh, a couple of top 10 upsets. You, you saw Notre Dame, who shouldn't have been in the top 10 anyway, but dropped from nine to clear out right after that week, right? Like you, it, you saw some uh, Baylor losing, right? Kansas beat West Virginia. Yeah, that boy. Kansas does it, might be do you scary. Think it's good. like a weird weekend, or does it just speak to the fact that like preseason numbers are kind of garbage? Is it, maybe, but I, like you said, Kansas beating West Virginia is not preseason numbers. That is, that's some, some weird. <laughs> some voodoo. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, there's, there's definitely something going on, but uh, um, I don't know. I, I think more to come for the college football season. Uh, what, what are you looking forward to as the rest of the college football season goes on? Um, I'm excited to tailgate this weekend. i i'm just very um i'm very optimistic i'm not even cautiously optimistic i'm just excited like i think they're gonna do good things i think we're gonna get to a bowl game i think um i think we're gonna be really pleased with how this first year goes and um i i think the thing i'm most excited about is that that just doesn't feel abnormal anymore (laughs) you know like having a winning season and and right a team that you have some confidence in that, I mean, that feels really good. That feels really nice. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, I was, they got four votes and both the coaches in the, in the AP poll uh, this past week. And, and that didn't feel weird or out of the ordinary or whatever. And 20 yeah. years ago, we would have been losing our minds about something like that. So yep, for, sure. for sure. Well, uh, Mike, we're going to go ahead and, and uh, take a quick break. We're going to grab a word from our sponsor, Revelton Distilling Company, and then we will come back. And when we get back, I kind of want to switch gears, maybe get off of sports uh, and uh, kind of give you a little you bit more. Sing? Are we going to sing karaoke? We're going to oh. sing some karaoke. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> oh, I will bust out some some Carrie Underwood if you want. Oh, no. Carrie oh. Underwood? Oh, I'd like to I'd like to to thank you all for listening to the last episode of, of Old Man Strength. Uh, it's been a good run, and I apologize. I was I was really gonna troll Tim and say something like the climb by. by uh... I think now is a good time to catch a word from our sponsor, Revelton Distilling Company. It's fall, it's football, and no better time to celebrate those victories or soothe away those losses like a drink from Revelton Distilling Company. Imagine a cool, crisp Saturday morning at your tailgate, friends and family enjoying a quick morning cup of coffee spiced up with Revelton's whiskey cream and liqueur. Their cream liqueur is made from a three-year-old Iowa corn bourbon whiskey with a cream and notes of chocolate and honey. 
Wow, does that not sound like the perfect way to begin a day watching your favorite team dominate on the field? Then after the game, sit back and relax with one of a kind, honey old fashioned with Revelton's Honey Whiskey. Oh, and something new and exciting is on the horizon. So be sure to check out all their updates on their Twitter or Instagram page at Revelton DC. Uh, welcome back. Hope you appreciated that word from our sponsor. Actually, during the break, we were just discussing what we were all drinking. Uh, Megan, actually uh, a fan of the Revelton, very much excited to see that she's not just a shill for us, that she actually <laughs> is enjoying that. Um, I, I do want to take a second to thank uh, the folks that came down to visit us at the Three Beards launch party. Uh, I don't... What day is this? What years was was that a week and a half ago? What was that, Chris? It was I have, a week and a half ago. It was okay, almost two weeks ago tomorrow. Okay. See, I don't know what's going on. Anyway, I want to thank everyone for coming down there. I uh, really excited. We really hope that you guys are enjoying what we're bringing. Uh, not just with old man strength, but you're checking out our our other pods uh, of bitter units and fill in the blank with Anya. The Sigh of the Storm Cyclone Reaction Show, I think, is just fantastic. If you're not listening to what George and Marcus and, and Brent are bringing you, please go ahead and, and give that a listen. Uh, uh, WS Twin Warriors on, on YouTube and a whole lot of other things. So more to come. So please stick with us for those as we announce anything else that is going on as well. Um, so Meg, I assume you're familiar with every single one of those and you're, and you're an avid listener, right? Uh, nonstop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I, have to, I have to tell you though, Chris, I, um, listened to the episode with the twins Yes. and your kick-ass wife. Uh, who, thank you. Like, I'm pretty sure we would be best friends. Like she just sounds amazing. And I do want to check out their content because I think they are a hoot and a half. <laughs> that they are. We uh, <laughs> we have not recorded for a while. Uh, we were supposed to. They went to back to college. So I said we normally would do it on Wednesday nights. And I was like, uh, you guys take your MacBooks to school. We'll send the Zoom. You guys will be in your rooms and we can record on Wednesday nights. And all day last Wednesday, Josh was texting me. Um, are we, are we recording tonight? Yeah, I can, can we, can we do it tomorrow? No, I don't have time to do it. You know, I have editing and things like that. We do have to do. So finally I got him. I was like, what's the matter? Like you, the, you're all about this, but all of a sudden you don't want to record. Yeah. I'm nervous. Cause mom's not in the house and I <clears throat> am afraid I'm going to mess up and then I'm going to say something wrong. Or one of my roommates <laughs> is going to walk in. And I was like, okay, would it be better if we still recorded at home? We just did it on Sunday mornings before you left. And then I can record Sunday afternoon or I can edit Sunday afternoon. Oh, that would be so much better. So that's what we're going to do. But he was all nervous being back at school. And then, <clears throat> and then him not, you know, his network wouldn't work or, or whatever else. So well, I got to say, I got to say, but uh, both of those two seem like they definitely have a very active social life at school. They seem like they're, they're having a good time. Maybe, maybe a little bit of a, like too good of a time from, from what they told well, me I mean, down in Osceola the other week. Um, Jordan called tonight and said he kissed a girl. So I, that's all, well, I heard, <laughs> that's all I heard on the call. So, and then he said he had to go take a shower. So that's all I know. <laughs> 
I hope those two aren't related. It's um, like uh, Jordan. You typically should take a shower before you kiss a girl. Oh, no. That's, that's the oh. first time we were at a special Olympics thing and up in Ames. And I think he was like 17. And he walked back and he and he sits down next to me and he goes, girl just kissed me. It's like, Jordan, what? What girl? I don't know. Well, what do you mean you don't know? You don't know her name? No, I don't know her name. <laughs> okay, well, that's usually step one, dude, is you get their name. <laughs> I, I don't know, man. I, I, I went to college. That's not always step one. I'm going to be honest with don't you. Don't ask me for a <laughs> I've, I've, I've made some choices we'll, we'll just leave it at that um well thank you meg i will let my wife know that you said that i yeah i think that that it. should be uh, i think everybody should go and listen to that episode i was so impressed with her advocacy and like i i i can't fathom having twins and having them be as sick as they were and i like she was talking about using the um the, the dropper to feed them drips yes. of formula to try and get any food in their little bodies. And I was like bawling. Like I just, I, I, I can't, I can't fathom it. And then, yeah, just to, just to hear, uh, she's just so positive about, about everything. Like it would be so easy to be, you know, to feel jaded about the fact that people didn't listen to her when she knew something was wrong, right. and, you know, and I, and I'm certain that there have been bumps in the road with, IEPs and like you talked about things with you know having um, special needs children who need job opportunities and continuing education and right arrangements and all of those things like I I just think for her to be taking on some more roles of kind of getting that information out there is so awesome and she's I think she's a really good mouthpiece for that well thank you I I will say one thing in that that one story that I don't know that we told that she told me when when I first met her um and when the boys were really little and she was on her own uh she did not sleep in her own room for the longest time and i was like what do you mean she's like i was so afraid that they would crawl out of their crib and 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 get into things or whatever but i moved my mattress in her in their room and would sleep on the floor in their room by the door so that i knew if they got up and crawled over me i would wake up oh my gosh and i just can't think of things like that and think and and to your point she was always positive she was always genuine there was never i mean there there'd be times where i would come home and i would have a bad day or i would say something and she would be like well you know <laughs> like no this is not the time for you to be positive right like i need you to just i need you to wallow in the mud with me down here a little bit right um but it's just not in her nature you know what i mean so and she was the perfect mother for them so absolutely yeah, no, I mean, uh, putting up with you alone, uh, that woman exudes patience. Amen so, to that. Um, yeah, no joke. No, absolutely. Hey, I'll have you know I'm a gem. <laughs> she so. did seem rather fond of you, I will she say. She did, I know, right? She that wasn't even like that you. wasn't even the whiskey talking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more more podcasts with her because I thought she was she was fantastic. Well, let's oh, since we're Go ahead, Tim. No, I was going to say, I'm sure, I'm sure she's going to love that idea that we bring her on uh, right? even more no, often. <laughs> as she said before, she's like, I don't even listen to the ones you're on. So. <laughs> so I, well, I can pretty much say whatever I want. Well, so. I, 
I told her last Friday, uh, I was like, yeah, no, I want everyone in the world to listen to our podcast, except the people that I know. <laughs> so right. so I, I get what she's saying. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, speaking of yeah. moms, one of the things that kind of struck me with you this last few months was your emotional roller coaster of sending your oldest to Iowa State. Yeah. What's that been like? I mean, I know you're going to football games. I'm sure you probably get to see him on, on football days or whatever. But I know when, when Caitlin went up there, it was nice to see her experience some of the things I experienced. But there were also times where I would go home and I'd be sad that she wasn't home. Well, okay. So he's actually living at home. Okay. He's here. So yeah. we're like, he, as we speak, he's in my house, um, which has helped a lot. <laughs> Obviously, I yeah. didn't, you know, he's not he's not like gone, gone. Um, but yeah, just, you know, just having, I'm emotional every year. I'm emotional on her birthdays. I'm emotional on the first day of school. Like the passage of time goes, as you both know, in the blink of an eye and you just imagine it lasting so much longer than it does. And then before you know it, they're grown ups and out on their own. So, um, it is really, really nice to have him here. Um, We'll see how long that lasts. Um, living costs are insane. <laughs> yes. Yeah. That, that was that was that was something I wanted to to get on, into on, a little bit more. On top of the cost of school alone, and he is a very fortunate and very very bright and got a really nice scholarship from Iowa State, and um, he's paying for his own school, and he would also need to be paying for his own room and board. Like I don't know about you guys, but I just don't have that kind of money sitting around sticker shock was when I remember when Caitlin, when we were in the orientation and they told us what, what it was a semester, I, my jaw dropped. I don't think that people understand. Like, I, I think you hear that it's expensive and you're like, Oh yeah, it's expensive, right. whatever. Yeah. But like, when you put that into perspective, when you put that into, you know, let's say we're going to compare that to my annual income. Right. Insane. <laughs> yeah. Which so is, uh, yeah, when when you posted on Twitter what like the the cost of all of th these things are, and I did the math, and I was like, that's like six hundred dollars a month just for rent, and yeah. that right, and and, that's, and, and that's renting one room that you're sharing with someone else, right. and there's no air conditioning. That was the cheapest option for a room, uh, right? And you know, because I had brought that up to to you know my my folks who you know went to college and understand the cost, and, and the three of of me and my siblings who went through school, they understood. It's like, well, yeah, but that includes other things. I'm like, no, 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 Dad, that was just that cost. I'm not even talking about all of these other things on right. there. I think, I mean, I, I, I graduated 20 years ago and, um, and what I know I paid years ago. Wow. <laughs> yes. 200 years ago. He's the um, one on here. Yeah. But I, but I, I remember getting a two bedroom apartment with a roommate walking distance to campus. Uh, and combined we were paying like 750 a month. It was like nothing. And we, we each got our own bed. We got air conditioning. We got a balcony we could hang out on. We had parking. We had uh, a kitchen. We had all of these other things. And just to see how much it is, um, it's, it's, it's ridiculous to me that whenever, you know, we get into these conversations about student loan forgiveness, uh -huh. that people don't seem to understand that the cost of college has far outpaced 
and and I, you don't even have to talk about minimum wage. Just talking about you know cost what people could living. cost of living, right? Like what did and or like what people make. Uh, you know, starting salaries, sure, starting salaries when I got out were in the twenties, and now they're in the forties and fifties. But still, just to be able to survive because of all of these things, it's insane. Yeah, it it is. Yeah, I have a lot of I have a lot of issues with it. <laughs> I think, um, first of all, I think it's completely insane that we're expecting seventeen and eighteen year olds to know what they want to do for the rest of their lives. Yeah. And there's no safety net for changing your mind. There's just more money, and that's it. That's the only right. answer. And that feels wildly unfair. And and to be hired in any kind of a profession or a career that is going to be something that you worked for, that you studied, you, you have to have a degree. You have to have a degree. Yeah. There's, yeah, no, yeah, there's I, no I, other route really, to, you know, and I'm sure someone could prove me wrong, but, but that's, that's a case of one. I'm, I'm talking big picture that, you know, if, if you, you know, I couldn't go, well, maybe I could now because of the teacher shortage, but <laughs> with, <laughs> with a, with a four-year degree, I, I can teach. Um, I couldn't have done that without that. There was, there's no other route to that. There's no other route to um, having a professional career. That's it. So if it's the only way and it's a requirement, why the hell are we charging people this amount of money? And keep in mind, this is an in-state state school yes. for this kid. Like there were people commenting on that tweet that said, it's going to be $28,000 a year for tuition alone for my daughter to go to this school yeah. because it's the only school that has the thing she wants to study or whatever, and we're making it work. And I like, it just, it boggles my mind. It boggles my mind that, that there's not a better solution. And you're right. It's completely outpaced. It's completely, it's, it's, it's like so out of control <laughs> and I don't know how to staunch the bleeding with this. Right. So, yeah. So he is living at home and I, and I don't have $10,000 a year to hand him to go and live on Iowa state's campus. I just don't, but I do have a bedroom with his bed in it <laughs> and I yeah. have a, a fridge full of groceries and air conditioning so he can stay here. So how was, how, how's he, uh, what does he feel about all of that? So we have a lot of conversations about it because I, uh, he is a lot like my husband and almost logical to a fault. And I almost always lead with emotion and, and feelings and my heart. And I said to him, I'm very worried that you're going to miss out on that, that dorm life that I remember so fondly that, you know, those were some of the best years of my life living yeah. on my own for the first time, but you're kind of in like a secure area where everyone's in the same boat. You're all kind of trying things out for the first right. time. It's, it's like an extended summer camp type of thing, it right? Is, right. Yeah. But you're also, you're just kind of figuring out how to be a human being. And, um, you know, I, you kind of make a new family while you're there. Like I, I look back on, on the years that I was an underclassman at Iowa state living in prison towers. What's up Wallace Wilson. Um, <laughs> I dated a girl from there. <laughs> Wait, what's your name again? Um, <laughs> I'm well, I'm well before your time, Meg. <laughs> uh, and uh, so I said to him, you know, I'm just, I'm worried that 
you know, you can't, you can't get it back. If you, if you decide to, to live here for this year and, and skip over the dorms and whatever, like that's not an experience that you ever get to really have again. You know, I can tell you as a 40 year old, I'm not living in a building full of other 40 year olds, you know, partying together and figuring out life together. That doesn't happen. No, that's usually called a halfway house, but yeah. (laughs) Um. Let me jot that down. Uh, (laughs) So, and he said, yes, you're right. Or I could save thousands and thousands of dollars. And that to him was it. Um, When we went to um, orientation and walked around, um, he did say, you know, it might kind of, it might be kind of nice to live here, but I mean, who doesn't walk around Iowa state's campus and fall immediately in love. It's beautiful. You want to stay there. Like I, I understood kind of his feelings, but for him, the logic of the money savings completely won out. And that's just, that's just the kind of kid he is. It's the kind of thinker he is. And he has worked really hard to save, to be able to afford to, to go to school. And, um, you know, he said, if I, if I live on campus and use money for that, then that's basically another year of tuition that I have to somehow, you know, earn. So sure, it just made more sense for him to, to stay here. So I think he's feeling good about it. He's a little, um, he's a little irritated with the commute and gas prices. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, it, no, you, yeah. You guys can talk about gas prices. When I was down in Iowa the other weekend, I couldn't believe how insanely cheap gas was. <laughs> oh, it, was really? like a, it was like a whole dollar cheap. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. No, I, I, I appreciate his perspective. I don't think, you know, it's something I, I've got two nephews that are at Iowa state right now, and they all seem to have a lot better head on their shoulders uh, than me or any of my friends had about thinking about those things. And, yeah. and you're right. Those are experiences that you, you can't, you can't get ever again in your life. But there's, there's a part of me now that kind of wonders if that's like something that just our generation considers to be a rite of passage that maybe isn't really the thing. First of all, I, dorm life is kind of dwindled more and more students don't live in dorms and the, the way dorms are and Iowa state has moved to, to change a lot of their dorms to be more right. apartment style and all these, like, like the entire experience has kind of changed, but also just the um, boy, I wouldn't change uh, my experience on campus for anything. except for, Oh, except for, you know what, if you gave me 10,000 extra dollars, I think I would, change my mind very quickly right had someone said that to me when i was 18 i might have gone oh you know what i'll take that ten thousand, and uh i'll go ahead and live at home but right he lived close enough that he um can commute to ames pretty easily my mom and dad live in ames so if there was ever a bad blizzard that came through and he doesn't want to drive home he has an option to stay with my mom and dad My, my dad would drive through anything to go and pick him up and help him out. He locked his keys in his car one day. I'm sure he loves me telling that story. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, um, so I think, you know, he's, he's learning lessons. We're figuring it out. I, I would like to maybe read some, some, uh, some texts on parenting your adult children when they're living at home, (laughs) just to make sure I'm not fucking it up. But (laughs) let me tell you, uh, it's 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 a lot harder to do it my way than it than to do it your way because when Caitlin came back for student teaching, she had been on her own basically for three and a half years. She you know was in the dorms, 
was on, you know, she lived in an apartment. She did her own thing. And during the summer, she worked when she lived here. So it wasn't no big deal. But that last semester, like it would be like 7 38 o'clock and she'd come upstairs. She's like, all right, I'm, I'm leaving. And I'd be like, where are you going? <laughs> and she's like, well, I'm going, I'm going out with so-and-so or whatever. And I was like, what? You got to work in the morning. You got, you know, instantly dad kicks in, you got to do this. And you know, you're going to, you're going to leave the house at eight 30 at night, you know, and there's, you know, and finally at one point she said, you know, dad, if I was an Ames, you wouldn't have any idea what I was doing. And she's, and I'm like, okay. She's like, you know, it's kind of a transition for me to, to move back in and have rules. And I said, well, you want to know what's transition for me is the fact that we haven't had any kids for six months. And now all of a sudden we have, we have you back. <laughs> and now I don't know what to make for dinner because you might be here. You may not be here. I mean, there's all kinds of things. Yeah. So then one night Stacy and I went to dinner and we didn't tell her where we went. And she got home and she called us and she's like, where are you guys at? And I was like, well, what's the matter? If you were in Ames, you wouldn't know where we were. Oh, <laughs> you know, ooh, I mean, it's the same thing, right? I mean, so yeah, it, it's a transition. It's a, it's a, yeah. it's a transition of things that you, you got to give them their space or whatever. And then, yeah. but also, you know, they still have certain rules or whatever. Yeah. You know, I was, I was thinking when you were talking about when they, what it was costing, I can remember for room and board and tuition when I went as a freshman, it was $2,500 a semester. That's and, and, and it, and I, um, my first year and a half was paid for by my dad until I, you know, got removed for academic probation. And then that was, my dad was like, I'm not paying for it anymore. So I paid, I student loaned it and and paid the rest of the way and whatever. And then I worked for my dad. Long story short, I, I took a lot of deferments, not because I, I wanted to, but that was just the financial situation I was in for a long time. Sure. That, that student loan company did not lose money on me. <laughs> and I paid every dime of it that was owed plus interest plus deferments plus whatever. I think I finally paid it off. I don't know, two years before Caitlin started college. I mean, that was a long time. Mm -hmm. uh, so when I hear arguments of people being against student loan forgiveness, I can see their side of the argument that it is expensive and it, that should be fixed and, and things like that. And I a hundred percent agree with that. But I also know that there are a ton of kids out there that didn't borrow that money thinking, well, I'm going to get a free ride here pretty soon. So I'll just borrow all this money and then let somebody else pay for it. They borrowed it because that was the situation they were in. And to your point, Meg, you're asking 17 and 18 year old kids to make a financial decision that will affect their next 15 years of their lives financially we don't ask 17 and 18 year old kids to make any other decision that severe no i thought like dancing in public was okay for you know as a 17 year old kid i thought uh right <laughs> like I, wouldn't, uh, I wouldn't trust 17 year old me to do anything right FYI, 40-some-year-old Tim dancing in the streets isn't exactly a, an acceptable decision either, by the way. Uh, no, it's not. It doesn't stop uh, me. So, <laughs> But I'm okay. I am pro-dancing in the street. All right. Well, why yeah, does that You haven't me? seen me do it because then I think that would change your opinion on that very quickly. <laughs> uh, I guess my point is, is, is just because I suffered and 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 I had a hard time doesn't mean that I should be okay 
that somebody else doesn't have to go through that. I, I, I thought mean, the whole the whole world is has revolved to make life better for other people. I mean, that would be just like me going, oh, when I had cancer five years ago, I don't want to take those chemo drugs because the people that had the same type of cancer 20 years ago didn't have that advantage and it wouldn't be fair for me to take it. Right. Or are you saying that someone who was diagnosed today doesn't, shouldn't benefit from the last five years of technology that has, right. that doesn't make any sense whatsoever. No, no, I agree. I agree wholeheartedly. I, I think, I think in general right now we have, I don't know. There just seems to be a lot of people sure have an awful lot of opinion on everyone else's life. Amen. Uh, (laughs) I feel like that's going to be a much larger conversation. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm not, I'm not opening up an entire Wait. can of word, but I mean, like, well, so, no, so, I'm not uh, saying we don't talk about it. And as, 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 as Meg is a teacher and I can tell you that, like, so, you know, I, I am a co-parent with my child and I do not live in my daughter's school district. So I don't get to vote for school board members, okay. um, even though some of them are QAnon crazy, whatever. Like, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't get a say in all of that. But I do know that there are an awful lot of parents that sure seem to want to have opinions on what teachers should be doing. Uh, that is exhausting. And I don't remember even the most active member of the PTA sure did not seem like he or she felt like they had a strong voice in the classroom, whether that be at, at the college level, at the second grade level at the whatever and i don't know when i don't know when that switched i guess that suddenly now and not to say that parents shouldn't be engaged and shouldn't be activists for their kids and shouldn't be involved or whatever but it i i don't i don't get where that changed right no i i agree well and it's i've got a little bit of whiplash because during the quarantine teachers were the heroes, right? We were, mm-hmm. we were busting our asses to continue to provide education to kids, even though we were doing distance learning and look how we can adapt and look what we can do. And all of a sudden parents were like, holy shit, this is a hard job and I can't do it. And schools need to reopen. And we were like, yep, they sure do. Like, let's do everything we can to make that possible and safe for everybody. I don't make my kid wear a mask. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and that it's almost like that was the catalyst, right? It was yeah. almost like, we're going to come back, but now we are full of opinions on everything you're doing all of the time. And yeah, that is, we don't have to wonder why people are leaving teaching, right? Mm, That's right. There's no question. There's no question why there's a shortage of teachers. Had this been the way that people felt about teachers when I was looking at a future career, I might've shied away. Like, you know, it's not a job that's respected. It's a job that people think needs to be, um, have surveillance throughout the day that parents can watch from a live feed in the classroom at all times. Like I'm- a- But at the same time, we should probably give you a gun. <laughs> it's exactly. Right. Like it just, it's, yeah. It, if I let myself take on those, like you said, everyone's having an opinion about how people are living their lives and doing their jobs. Um, I, I don't know that I could get out of bed in the morning, honestly, like (laughs) when I talk about being a Pollyanna and being an optimist, I I think that that um, has served me well in doing the job that I do. 
um, I, I think people have a weird perspective on school too, because everybody went to school. So everybody thinks right. they understand the gig, you know, we all were there. So we all think, well, I know what, how this should work. And I understand it because I was a student and that's just not the case. So. Well, tonight was, uh, apparently was curriculum night at my wife's school, um, where parents got to come in, learn about the curriculum, things like that. She did not have to be there tonight. She got a call from her teaching partner. They split it into two sessions because they didn't want to have a bunch of people in there all at once and so on. Uh, her teaching partner called her after the first session, said two families showed up. And when she left in, the, in between sessions, the parking lot was empty for the next one. Yep. Because this whole, I want to know what my teacher's teaching and so on and so on. And I, that we've had that for years. It's called Peter Tarrant Teacher Conference. What, what, what's it called, Chris? Can you say that again, please? <laughs> the non-whiskey version <laughs> of that verbiage. You know, I hate you right now, right? <laughs> no, I Tarrant no, I... Teacher Conferences. Yeah, no, no. How about that? (laughs) Yeah, you're you're right. For well, because I think that's one thing that we did see over the pandemic is a lot of those school board meetings where people were going off. Um, you know, half of those people that were going off didn't actually have kids in the school district or whatever. But but the idea, you know, the the idea that, uh, you know, I I don't want some trans critical race whatever being taught in my school, which a isn't. Um, right, but right B, could you just get more engaged in your kid's ability to read? <laughs> <laughs> right. I will say, I, I would like to go on the record and say that I feel incredibly well supported by the families that I teach and my administration where, where I'm currently at. We, you know, I have gone through bad administration and uh, those were some harrowing years and we are in such a good situation right now. Like that is a make or break for sure to know that your first line of defense is, is that superintendent that's going to stick up for you and, yeah. and knows that you're, that you're good at your job and that you're doing the things that you need to do and that you're teaching because you love kids. And, um, you know, if, if it could just always be that simple, that would be great, but it's not so. <laughs> no, I, I, hey, I get it. I'm, I, and I will also say on my own end, I'm, I'm, I'm a, I'm a, I, I'm a sensitive parent too. And I, and I worry, and, and I've never been critical of my, of, of my daughter's teachers or whatever, but I have been, you know, I want to understand what the environment is that she's in. So I, I no, right? and I, under, I absolutely understand wanting to know and even just kind of be a fly on the wall sometimes because they're your babies and you, you know, you want to see how they're yeah. doing and how they're interacting. And it's, it's interesting. It's fascinating. They're your favorite people. I get that. Um, but our doors aren't closed, you know? Right. Yeah. Um, my email is always open. I'm constantly communicating with families. So um, yeah. It's Excellent. Not, well, it's, uh, no, sorry. No, go ahead. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that that uh, we do have to take another break here to get grab uh, a word from our sponsor, but we have uh, a lot more that we have not even gotten an opportunity to talk with you about. So uh, more to come uh, with Meg when we come back. Are you in the market for a new house and unsure of the mortgage process? 
Want to know that you have someone looking out for you? Kyle Lehman from Wintrust Mortgage is a down-to-earth, knowledgeable lender who can be there for you in your corner. He can work with you in any of the 50 states and is just what you need to expand your home search. Kyle will work with you through the entire process with little to no work from you. Take the worry of the mortgage process out of the equation so that you can focus on looking for your dream home. Contact Kyle at www.wintrust.com forward slash Kyle dash Lehman or call him at 515-473-0546. I can't believe I don't hear angry stomping. <laughs> oh, it's that bad? <laughs> well, I know. Yeah, they're down by a lot, right? They're only down three, but... I uh 1417 right now. Oh, okay. Not not terrible. Well, the the way they played last week, they sure looked a lot better than I thought they were going to be this year, so. I, they never play well against the Chargers, and I don't The really Chargers like defense is legit. They are really good. But have you seen Patrick Mahomes? I have. <laughs> I'm a Bears fan. I don't really know I what am too. I'm a Bears looks. fan. I don't I really a- know what good quarterback <laughs> play looks like. For a long I was time. I read to Bears fan, and then my son loves the Chiefs, so now we've taken on the Chiefs too. So, Bears and Chiefs. You know, it's funny when I was still married, um, my wife and I went down to Kansas City, where her parents live, and they had they were Chiefs season ticket holders, and we went to it was just a preseason game, but it was Chiefs Vikings, and uh, before we went into the stadium, uh, my wife said, uh, "Just so you know, I'm I'm." gonna root for the Chiefs because I'm here with my parents and by the second quarter every time the Vikings did something good then she was like cheering and getting loud and getting obnoxious and I was like okay that really lasted long (laughs) are you a Vikings fan Tim you know so I have lived up here for 19 years now and it probably took me a good five or six years before I embraced being a Vikings fan. I, I didn't grow. I think I kind of grew up like where are the Vikings? Cause I have like an uncle that was a Vikings fan. Okay. Um, uh, so I always kind of followed them, but I wasn't like a really big Vikings fan. And I came up during like the Mike Tice years and the Dante Kilpepper years and all this terrible things. And, the post Randy Moss and and all of that. So I didn't really care. And then uh, slowly but surely, when it's the only thing you can watch on TV and the only thing you can hear on the radio, you just kind of wore you down. It just kind of becomes part of, of who you are, uh, even though uh, they are perpetually underperforming and perpetually letting people down. Um, but I, I mean, I think that I'm a cycling fan. So I, I spent, 20 whatever years learning to build up that getting used to <laughs> getting it used like to <laughs> it did it, it eventually felt very familiar <laughs> <laughs> yeah like like twins very easy to be a twins fan even though they have also disappointment but i've seen two world series in my lifetime with the twins uh timberwolves I saw Fred Hoiberg play up here when I lived here, so that was enough to make me a Timberwolves fan. Yeah. Uh, then the Vikings. So, <laughs> but I get it. I get to cheer on Kane. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, see him do well. I thought he still got snubbed for the Pro Bowl last year. I know he didn't get enough returns, but he had more a better average return. He had more return yards than one of the Pro Bowl picks anyway. Like. I don't get how he didn't get that, but yeah. Anyway, so. 
All right, let's let's jump back in here. Let's go ahead and get this thing wrapped up. Um, welcome back to Old Man Strength. In case you have forgotten what you are listening to, this is Old Man Strength, a podcast of Three Beards Media. We continue to have a lot of exciting things going on. Chris, anything you want to talk about uh, in regards to what we have going on with Three Beards? Well, you know, you mentioned uh, the Sigh of the Storm, uh, the new Cyclone Reaction podcast, uh, George Trice, Marcus Pfizer, Brent Curvey. Uh, so they are up and running and uh, super excited for that. They've been doing well. They've got some new equipment, so their audio is much better now. And uh, and it's it's doing really, really good numbers, I think. So we're super excited about that. And then I think we are planning for a fundraiser sometime around Thanksgiving. So we'll have more information about that. So we're going to do a little combined old man strength, bitter units, three beards, media fundraiser. So super excited for that. Absolutely. So we, we really appreciate you guys checking all of that out. And once again, you're already listening to us. So you know that we're on Spotify, Stitcher, I, I don't know, maybe maybe you found us through something else. Maybe you found us through some bootleg website that hosts us, which I'm sure totally happens. But anyway, please go ahead and f- check out all the Three Birds Media podcasts wherever fine podcasts are found. Uh, so, Meg, we've kind of covered a, a, a little bit of, of the gamut uh, tonight. Uh, whether that be Iowa State sports, whether that be teaching, whether that be the exorbitant cost of college. But one of the reasons we wanted to have you on here is we also just wanted you to kind of be able to talk about, uh, you know, give you a forum for some of the things uh, that have been on your mind. So uh, I'm going to just throw this right out here as a question. What has been on your mind? Oh, golly. <laughs> um, well, I think kind of what Chris was alluding to um, before we started recording was um, what happened to Eliza Fletcher, the um, female who was out uh, running and was murdered Mm -hmm. um, in the wee hours of the morning. I believe she was in Memphis. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. Um, And it just kind of hit me like a ton of bricks. I'm trying not to get emotional. (laughs) Um, I saw a lot of things that that said um, that I think read as sort of some victim blaming in, mm-hmm. in that situation. Mm-hmm. Like, well, she was running at 4.30 in the morning. Like, what the hell are you doing out running at 4.30 in the morning? And I can tell you exactly what she was doing out running at 4.30 in the morning. That's the only time that a mom of two little kids has for a second to do anything for yourself. That's it. That's the only time. And for her to to be on a run, she was, she was doing something for her mental health. She was doing something for her physical health. She was doing something that mattered to her. And it's just so horrible to think about. And I, um, have gotten back into running recently, um, just like the end of last year. And it has been such a nice escape for me. Um, just, you know, thinking about mental health, thinking about keeping myself, um, as healthy as I can be, especially, you know, I'm, just, I'm 40 now. And, um, you know, knowing that all of, uh, wake up with new aches and pains every day, and maybe, maybe running is the wrong thing to do. <laughs> God knows I stopped doing it. 
um, you know, I've, I've always been really active. I, um, like any, anyone can tell you, I'm kind of an energizer bunny and I go, go, go all the time. And I do a ton of working out and I love to go for long walks. It's been like a great workout for me for a long time. Um, and it was getting to the point where I just realized like my heart rate isn't getting up very high when I'm going for walks, no matter how fast I go going as fast as I can. And it's not really, really counting as like cardio because, um, my heart rate's not getting very high and, um, go, you know, going for those long walks got me through the pandemic. Like I, I really struggled through the, uh, the closures in 2020. I realized, um, how much my job, uh, really is my identity (laughs) and how much it really means to me. And that if I couldn't do that, I didn't know, um, really, my purpose, which maybe sounds really overdramatic, but it's truly how I felt. But I don't know that in the moment that's, I even could have told you that's how I felt. I just knew I felt an overwhelming sense of dread, um, which I think all of us really did. I, I yeah, yeah, I was gonna, I was I gonna say, I, yeah. I think that. overwhelming <laughs> sense of dread has been kind of the, yeah. uh, <laughs> the theme of our lives. The central <laughs> theme. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I would, I, like, I couldn't, I, I love music, like more than maybe anyone alive. And I couldn't listen to music. It like, there was too much feeling when I would go for walks with music on. So I would listen to podcasts or audiobooks, and I would walk and I would just walk for hours every day. And it completely got me through that time. And so then I have sort of recently switched to running at different periods in my life. I was, I was a really good runner when I was young and, um, it has just been so fun. It's, I know that sounds dumb, but it's been so fun to get back into to running and to see how fast I can improve um, on something that I didn't, I didn't think at 40, I would get back into this. You know, I, I didn't think that this was ever going to be something that was really accessible to me again. And um, I remember, so I was running <clears throat> outside um, in December, <laughs> like it just happened to be the time of year that I was kind of getting back into it. And, um, uh, you know, the sun goes down in Iowa at five o'clock, four thirty on, in December, on December nights. So, um, I would just run up and down the block in front of my house mm-hmm. because I was scared. I was scared to go and run in the dark. Um, and I, I was just always a little pissed. Like <laughs> had a little bit of a chip on my shoulder about being stuck running just back and forth in front of my house. Um, and I would rack up miles just going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. But I didn't want to get too far away from home because, um, you know, I've had scary things happen. I've had people, I've had people follow me on walks. Um, I've had, I've had, um, I've had men leave me notes and hit on me at the gym. Like even, even the gym that's supposed to be a getaway in a sanctuary, you know, mm-hmm. I've, I've gone to change my shoes at the end of a run and I've had a note in my shoe asking, giving me a phone number and asking me to call. And while that feels not super threatening, I've also had an experience where that has crossed a line into very threatening. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an experience on Twitter several years ago where a, a, a very um, innocuous seeming conversation about cyclone football crossed lines and turned into something inappropriate. And as soon as I shut that down, it turned into a stalking situation. There's not really a better word for it. It, mm-hmm. it was a stalking situation. I started getting um, emails at work. Um, and that's when I stopped putting my last name on everything. Um, 
let that be a lesson to us all. If your last name is out there, people can find you and they know everything about you. All someone needs is your last name and they know where you live and they know where you work and they know about your family. Um, that was incredibly scary. And so I think I, sometimes I have, um, I kind of have my, my uh, radar out a little bit for creeps. And so uh, just to have something like running that I feel like has given me so many great things like hitting goals and feeling confident and feeling happy. And, you know, if, if I'm, if I'm going through shit, going for a run is so meditative and it's so helps me sort out my brain and, or even just shut it off for a little while. And to think that I could go out for a run to, and I'm not hurting anyone. I'm not doing anything wrong. I'm, I'm going out to do something that the half of the country doesn't have to think twice about doing that I could be at risk. And it makes me sick. It makes me sick to my stomach. And I, now I have, um, some handheld pepper spray that's coming so I can go. I have like some reflective things that I'm wearing. I have a light that I put on my back. Those things aren't going to stop me from getting attacked. Um, and it's, the days are getting shorter. And so pretty soon for me to get to go out, spend time outside doing something that I love, it's going to be dark and I'm going to be at risk. And if something happened to me, how on earth could I be to blame for that, <laughs> for, you know, mm -hmm. for taking time for myself and, 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 um, I, I just, uh, there's something about the victim blaming that just makes me sick to my stomach because I just think we're already in such a dangerous culture for women and, and the value that we do not put on, on women's lives and women's health and women's well-being. And then as soon as you have an activity that brings you some kind of peace and, and well-being, um, now it's too dangerous and you shouldn't do it. And God forbid you ever would go in a sports bra because then you're somehow asking for it. And I, that just, it just makes me really sick to my stomach. It, it it's it's amazing to me. It's I mean, like so like certainly like as parents, we always teach our kids to be aware of of their surroundings, to be aware of where they are. To you know, I, I never want my daughter to feel unsafe, and I never want to breed a culture where she has to like be constantly living in fear. But I also want her to be like conscious of her surroundings and know what's going on. I. But somewhere along the line, that shifted it into blaming now victims because they weren't, oh, you you weren't aware enough. You weren't smart enough. You weren't whatever. No, you, you got to, like, if someone gets attacked or violated, they're attacked or violated. It doesn't matter whether or not they were paying attention, not paying attention, whatever. They didn't ask for it to, come, to, to, to happen. And I, I think I don't, I don't, I'll never personally understand that mentality. Right. Well, and I think when something like that happens, probably the stupidest thing you can do is check any kind of social media. Like people are going to have horrible things to say. And, um, you know, I wanted information because she was missing before they found her. And I, mm -hmm. and I want, I, you know, I was kind of keeping up with it a little <clears> bit <throat> to just to kind of see what was happening. And, um, so I came across some 
shitty comments that, you know, I try to avoid, honestly, like I just carry things like that with me. Um, and I have trouble letting them go. Like I think a lot of people do. And, um, so I was kind of avoiding the whole, trying to avoid the shitty comments and of course came across them. And, um, yeah, it's frustrating. It's very frustrating to think that, um, that I need to change my completely healthy, normal, active lifestyle because it's too dangerous. I, I do think that the chances of getting attacked are probably very low. Like I don't have the stats off the top of my head. I don't know, but I do think they're probably pretty low, but I just think that the way we respond when something like this happens, um, is really frustrating. And you'd like to think that we've come further than that as, as a society and that we, you know, you're right. We absolutely do need to tell our kids to be careful. I, I absolutely did. We had lots of talks about, um, you know, body safety and, and making safe choices and all the, you know, how we don't, we don't keep secrets and all those kinds of things, you know, all those things you need to talk to your kids about. And, you know, there are absolutely things that I do to make sure that I'm being as safe as I can, but then God damn it. When I go to the gym where it's well lit, it's a block from my house. My husband is there mm-hmm. and I'm, and I'm, getting hit on at the gym. Like I, again, that did not turn into a scary situation, but, but just the fact that I was there working out, I'm not sending a signal to come and talk to me, Right. you know, like just, just let people do what they want to do, or I'm going to fucking pepper spray you in the face. (laughs) (laughs) Meg, do you, do you know? I want to make that into a t-shirt. Right? Just let I people know. do what they want to do. Or I'm going to fucking pepper spray you in the face. There's another podcast that I really love and they always say pepper spray first and apologize later. <laughs> <laughs> and that is going to uh, be my motto. So I, love it. I would maybe stay at least six feet away from me. Okay. <laughs> um, do you know why I asked you to come on here, Meg? Um, no, (laughs) I asked you to come on here because I, I think that not only do you have important stuff to say about that kind of stuff and that women need to hear that, but I think the bigger audience that needs to hear that is men, whether they're husbands or fathers or sons, because we also have an obligation to raise our men and raise our kids in a respectful way. You've probably had hundreds of conversations with your daughter about safety and whatever. I'm sure you've had the same amount of conversations with your son about how to treat women and how to, to be respectful and what's right and what's wrong. And I think that there's a, 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 I'm not blaming anybody, but I think that there's a lot of men out there that don't have those conversations um and as a as a dad of uh, of two young boys and as a dad of a, of a daughter that's kind of what i've tried to instill in in them is to to treat women with a certain amount of respect and 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 boundaries um it's absolutely deplorable that you can't go to a gym and have a simple workout without feeling uncomfortable that's something that people need to hear so 
that's that's kind of why I asked you to come on. I mean, obviously we, we've had a good fun conversations about a lot of things, but I think that you have a powerful voice to, to talk about those things. And I guess I just want to say thank you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, it's, I'm, I'm sorry. I don't feel like I'm being very articulate because I really am feeling pretty raw about it. Still. <laughs> um, every, you know, I, I went for a run today, right. As soon as I got home, because it was still light out and, you know, I just find myself uh, changing things about my habits and what I'm doing because I feel scared and whether that's justified or not, you know, maybe that's silly. Maybe the chances of something bad happening to me are quite slim. I've been, you know, walking and running around this town for years. And, you know, other than a couple, a couple incidents that made me feel unsafe, I, I think, you know, I've got pretty good neighbors and people around me and, um, you know, maybe that's silly, but it's how I feel. And I, I do, I feel scared. And, um, you know, it's like I said, the, the days are going to get shorter and, um, we're going to have to be outside when it's dark. And, you know, if, if a four thirty workout is what you can do, um, then I hope that you can find a way to do that in a way that help that makes you feel safe. And then doesn't make you feel like you are in any kind of danger. Um, I think running at 4.30 is insane um, because 4.30 is for sleeping. But um, if if that's uh, <laughs> that's the time that, that works, <laughs> then I hope that you can do that. Because I, I know from my own past struggles that finding time in the day for yourself, especially as um, a teacher and a mom who spends most of her day meeting the needs and wants of other people, um, to be able to eke out time is, I will say when my kids were small, it was impossible. It was Mm -hmm. impossible to do. Mm -hmm. And now that they're older and they don't need me around as much, or maybe even want me around as much, um, (laughs) you know, I can really be creative with my time. So that's, I guess the other kind of another thing is, you know, when, when I'm posting things about working out or going for runs or those things like, um, understand that that's coming from someone with a 16 and an 18 year old kid. Right. And um, so making time for myself is now a possibility again. Um, so you will get that time again, where you can, uh, you know, carve out a few minutes for yourself. And I just hope that, um, that we can uh, feel safe about doing it. And um, that something like this doesn't happen again. And it will. Um and I think that there are probably a lot of things we can do to keep ourselves safe and hopefully um, prevent things like that from happening. But I think just just being aware um, of, of people's boundaries and understanding that um, there are times and places to approach people if you are interested in someone. Right. Um, maybe the gym isn't the best place. Um, maybe have a conversation with someone before you slip them a note that felt right. kind of threatening and kind of weird. Like I didn't know this person other than he said hello and introduced himself and asked my name. Um, and that was the extent of how of our conversation. And then to to have a note in my in my shoe, I don't know, it made me feel really uneasy. Um uh I think. Yeah, I think understanding people's body language when people don't want to want, don't want to talk to you, understand that. Um, women especially are raised to be polite, always be kind. That means being polite, and we feel like we can't say, "Leave me alone." I don't want to talk right. to you because then we seem ungrateful and we seem unkind. And um, how dare we? And um, 
I think that's really tricky too. Well, yeah. and I, I think I think one thing, and Chris and I fall victim to this too, uh, that I, I think kind of gets to be like sneakily in, in, insidious is this idea of like, well, um, you know, I as as the father of a daughter or I as the brother of sisters. Right. And I really want it to just be no, I as a human being should give a shit about treating other people like like because we still it still kind of gets framed into the like, well, you know, if you have an important woman in your life, well, you don't have to have an important woman in your life to treat women with respect. Like, right. you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like yeah. I don't. Uh, I know that it's coming from a positive place, right? It's coming from people like that are, are feeling very defensive of their daughters or their wives or their sisters or their whatever. But it it almost it it to me every time I see it, I don't know why it rubs me the wrong way. And it's not because it rubs me the wrong way. Like just because like no, how about just as a human being, as a decent human right. being, I give a shit about other human beings. Why why do we have to put some other standard on? Well, you know. If you have a special relationship, you're going to treat people differently. No, just treat everyone with respect. Like I don't. It, it it's frustrating. You get what I'm saying, right? Like it's it's just it's it's a challenge that that it still kind of perpetuates. I think maybe uh, the role of difference rather than no, just be a decent human being, please. Hundred percent. I think, and I'll I'll touch on this, and then we can wrap up, but. I think what, what you talked about there is just perspective, Meg. I don't, when you say things like it's only been a couple of times, but there's still, those are still way more times than what I even contemplate as a man out and going for a run. I don't, it doesn't even enter my mind. Uh, yeah. I don't, I don't feel unsafe. Yeah. Right. It's the same conversation that we have. Um, and, and the same feelings that I had when when George Floyd, Floyd was murdered and, and people were trying to tell us about police brutality and so on. The odds of, of, of that happening are very slim. I mean, I, in my mind, I believe that the majority of police officers are good men and good, and good women and good people, but it still happens. <clears throat> I don't have any idea what it's like to get pulled over and feel like there just might be a slight chance that I may not make through this just because I was speeding in a car. Mm -hmm. But those are conversations that African-American families have to have with their men and, and women on a daily basis. And I, I don't even understand the concept of that because it's not in my perspective. But I sympathize with that because I've heard those stories. And it's the same thing from what you talked about. Sure. Absolutely. And I think, like I said, sometimes, you know, going out and just running up back and forth in front of my house for an hour, um, I'm kind of pissed. I'm kind of low level pissed the whole time because you're right. Like my husband could put on a pair of boxer briefs and go run a 10 mile loop around town at 2 AM and the police might stop him and ask him what the hell he's doing. But <laughs> he's not in his right. life is not in danger. Right. Yeah. And yeah, it's very tricky. It's very, very tricky because there's, yeah, where, where's, there's a line somewhere. Maybe it's very blurry, but, but you're right, Tim, of, of, you know, keeping yourself safe and knowing how to protect yourself and have those conversations with your kids. And I'll have those conversations with my 16 year old daughter 
about ways to keep herself safe. Um, and also, God damn it, why does this have to be a conversation that we have? You know, that's, there's no perfect answer. There's no silver bullet way to, to fix it and make it go away. Um, I know a lot of parents that have had talks with their daughters about keeping themselves safe. I don't know if as many parents that have had talks with their son about not being a dick. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, I think, I mean, I think there's some of that too. Right. Well, and I think we, I mean, we have to be kind of careful too, because I don't think the person that murdered Eliza Fletcher was just a dick. I, I think he was a sick human being, you mm-hmm. know, like we're talking, you know, these extreme situations about people who are very, very mentally ill, which is a whole nother conversation. Right. Sure. But the person who left a note in your, in your, in your shoe at the sure. gym, you know what right. I mean? Yep. It- right. And, and I, and here's, here's the rub. Here's the thing. I immediately am like, Oh, I'm overreacting. Like he just, maybe you meet people at the gym. I don't know. I've been married for 20 years. Like maybe that's just a thing. And I, you know, whatever. And I start to play it off. And then the devil on my, on my other shoulder, (laughs) maybe it's the angel. I don't know. is like, (laughs) no, no, no. Your gut is telling you something. Your gut is telling you that this is making you uncomfortable and you don't have Mm. to justify his behavior right correct to be kind or polite or gentle or loving or sweet or whatever it's horseshit you don't have to do any of that and and i that's a poll that i think a lot of women probably deal with when we're dealing with the advances of of men and mm-hmm. um when it comes into the workout world i feel extra angry because the workout world for me is where i go for clarity and alone time and peace and quiet and, um, you know, uh, some strength and some confidence. Like it's something I feel really good about and, um, to have anyone come and shake that, Oh, it just pisses me off. It just, it just, it makes me very mad. And then as soon as I catch myself going, Oh, it's probably fine. Just throw the note away. It's not a big deal. Just laugh it off, you know, whatever. Um, I just, I think we all need to remind ourselves that if your gut is telling you something, you are a 100% allowed to listen to your gut and, and let that guide <clears throat> your next moves and 100% and, and help yourself feel safe and comfortable. And people don't have the right to make you feel unsafe and uncomfortable. Even if they did it unintentionally, they don't have the right to do that. Yeah. Wow. So, um, yeah, I, I, I know you're, yeah, I'm, I'm here trying to figure out how to put a bow on all this entire conversation. Uh, obviously it's been a very important conversation. So getting into some territory that Chris and I don't always get into. Uh, I joke a lot, uh, about how we started this podcast during the pandemic because what the world was really missing was the opinions of two old white men. Um, <laughs> Uh, <laughs> everyone has always been going you know who just isn't heard you know who doesn't have a voice old white men can we just have them on um but yeah i needed to hear from you for sure <laughs> but 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 we it is it is good uh for chris and i uh to to have these conversations but also just to, to uh uh uh, help give a voice to the things that we're, where we have a huge blind spot. So uh, we appreciate that. Um, Meg boy, we have, we have talked uh, about everything and anything possible tonight. Um, I do want to give you kind of an opportunity to talk about anything else 
whether that be, um, you know, uh, things people can do for you and teachers this school year. I have a very, have a very soft spot for that because my mom, who was a teacher, uh, spent more of her own money on school supplies and more of her own time on like all of the, yeah. the efforts that are still kind of missing. So I want to give you an opportunity to maybe kind of talk about some of that too. Do you ever feel mad at her that she spent more time with other people's kids than she did with you? <laughs> <laughs> I didn't she 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 was a teacher before I was born she went back into teaching when I was in like third or fourth grade she um, had Tim and she's like I gotta get out of here yeah that's exactly <laughs> someone has well, to stay with him well, well so I have two older sisters my oldest sister Marsha is a teacher right now okay. I uh, has been she has two different teaching degrees from Iowa State um she from a very early age would ask her teachers for extras of all of the assignments because she would come home and we would play school oh, yeah. at home. I was the only first grader who knew multiplication. <laughs> uh, I was the only kindergartner that could write in cursive. Yep. It was terrible. All I ever wanted to do was play gym and recess <laughs> and lunch. Those are the only things I wanted to do. And I had to learn it. it you had bossy big sisters. I should send you my brother's name. say <laughs> <laughs> It served me very well. I, I graduated very like it, near the top of my class. Like it served me well. And I hated every minute of it. I have a very nice picture of Caitlin. She's like, when I met Stacy, she was teaching at the school that I lived right around the corner from, but the girls were going to a different school. And when I met her, we had been dating for probably a year and then I had transferred Caitlin to that elementary school. And so she, Stacy came home, uh, came to my house one day and she brought a bunch of uh, worksheets, like multiplication worksheets from school. And she gave them to Caitlin and Caitlin proceeded to go out to all her friends in the neighborhood and bring them back. And they were all sitting in the front yard and she was leading class <laughs> and doing multiplication tables and i have this great photo of her sitting on the stoops and all the kids sitting there and i was like i think i and i printed it up again for her graduation party and i was like yeah you started you started pretty early but yeah it's it's pretty funny i i i'm beginning to notice i think there's a trend between people who are teachers and people who are bossy as kids you know what they're indoctrinating (laughs) that's what they're doing tim they're indoctrinating people that's right you, you, so. Did you see, I hate to be a person who talks about her tweets. Did you see him indoctrinating Hawkeye fans to turn into Iowa State? Oh, I did I see did. that. I love I that. Did. I was very happy. Yeah. I've been working on that kid for years. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm anyway, not- with all of this said, uh, Meg, is there anything that you want to share, whether or not people that can help out your classroom or just um, help out teachers I in general? I want to just say a huge, huge, huge thank you. And I try to say thank you for this as much as I possibly can. I don't know. I I can't put into enough words of gratitude the the way that Twitter, the the cyclone Twitter, and I'm sure there's some Hawkeyes in there too, I'm just going to say, have any time I put out a need, the way that they circle the wagons is unbelievable. So last year, I, um, there's a, through Scholastic Books, book clubs, there is, um, it's called, I think, Classrooms Care Campaign that they run. And 
what I like about it is I'm not taking people's money. <laughs> They're putting it into a scholastic account and then I can buy books for kids with that money. And it just mm-hmm. scholastic yeah. completely manages the money. Um, I would feel a little uneasy accepting gifts or money from people. Just that's just a personal thing for me, um, which is why I don't really put out like an Amazon wish list or anything like that. It just it just makes me feel a little I don't know uncomfortable. Um, but in in this situation, it's perfect. And last year, I think I had a goal of like I don't know, one hundred fifty dollars maybe. It was it, now it seems ridiculously low because people just came out of the woodwork and donated so much money. And I was able to give my kids last year, each kid took home probably between 15 and 20 books that they oh got. Gosh, that's amazing. And um, someone asked, I wasn't going to do it again. Cause I still had some money left in that account. So I wasn't going to do it again this year. You know, it just was like, you know, that was a really cool thing, but it was probably just kind of a once in a blue moon thing. It was, you know, a neat situation, but I'm not going to, push forward again. And I had more than one person reach out and say, Hey, are you doing this again? We really want to donate to your classroom again. So I did it again and I made more money this year. So I have just an overwhelming gratitude in my heart. And I am, I can't tell you how amazing it is to go on the Scholastic website and just at, I feel like an embarrassment of riches to just buy up books for my kids it is the best feeling and they are over the moon like they are screaming when I'm handing them new books to read um I just ordered them all a copy of the mouse and the motorcycle and I'm going to start reading it to them tomorrow it's our new chapter book Mm, and um they're all going to have their own copy and they're going to lose their minds like it I I can't even tell you the difference that that makes and um we're also going to do because I have so much money in this account um we're going to do um like a family book club for the whole school and all the families are going to get a chapter book and we're going to do um, probably maybe after like spring break to kind of round out the year. Um, like I have plenty of money to buy a chapter book for every family in our entire school. Wow. So yeah, it had, that has been wildly successful and just uh, uh, me, people are just amazing. Like the amount of, of donations that I have gotten has have just, they just blow my mind. Like I can't even, I can't even put into words. Um, so I think if you're looking to support teachers, maybe ask them to set up something like that, that is, um, funds that go directly to buying books for kids. And what else could you possibly want? Like that's right. Um, I know that teachers, a lot of teachers do an Amazon wish list for their classroom. And I think that's fantastic. Um, honestly, (laughs) sometimes people, good friends of mine will just, when things are when things are particularly muddy in the teaching profession and, you know, a, a gross bill is trying to pass through the, the house in Iowa, um, they'll just send me flowers. And that's lovely. <laughs> Let your teacher friends know that you're thinking you of go. them and that you support them and um, you wish them the best. Um, and I think, yeah, I, I feel very well supported and very well loved and, um, uh, having that um, ability to buy books for those kids is it's magic so we uh we've kind of felt the same thing here stacy has gotten quite a few but I, during the pandemic when all the teachers were home and they were off their little laptops or whatever um i had told stacy i said i'm gonna see if i can find you a, a monitor to hook up an external monitor so you have you can see things a little better and i had looked online and i think i put something on twitter that i was looking for a an external monitor for my wife who was teaching from home. 
and Kyle Lehman, who is uh, our sponsor at Wintrust, messaged me, Hawkeye fan, and said, hey, I've got a whole mortgage office here of old monitors. I've got about 20 monitors. Does, does her teaching partners need any monitors? Oh, so wow. I instantly messaged Stacy. Every single one of those teachers got an extra monitor for home to be able to help facilitate class and things like that. Um, and then last Christmas, my wife works at a school that is 100% free and reduced lunch. She is an EOL teacher. So she works with nothing but refugee kids. And the majority of her kids live in one apartment building. Uh, they all live in different apartments, but they all are located in this one apartment building. And this family had never had a Christmas tree. And we had bought a brand new Christmas tree. So we took the old one over to their house. And my wife came home and said, you would not believe the look on their face when I dropped that Christmas tree off after school to the point where the one little boy said, I can't wait till my mom gets home to see this tree. We've never had a tree before. And I was like, I can't even imagine that, that they never had a Christmas tree. So I just tweeted out my experience. I was like, my wife gave this Christmas tree, whatever else. I had seven or eight people message me and say, hey, <laughs> I've got an extra Christmas tree. Can we drop it off at the school so that the other kids in that in that building can have a Christmas tree? And they did. And it's just that kind of overwhelming. Um, Twitter is a, a spool of, of, it can be. Yeah. But there's there's a lot of, of good out there as well. Definitely. So. Definitely. Well, and hearing you say that too, another thing that comes to mind is, um, we are always looking for at my school and I would imagine schools all across Iowa are looking for donations of like hats and gloves yep. in, in, at winter time. Um, there's always a pretty significant shortage of that. Um, and also um, shoes and socks are a big thing too, that I think a lot of people don't think about. Um, a lot of kiddos, you know, they grow so quickly and they can't keep up with shoes and um and socks just tend to go missing, I guess. <laughs> and a lot of kids don't have um, just a, a, a never-ending source of that. So and they wear uh, through them constantly somehow. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So um, having, having a supply of shoes and socks around at school can really help kind of turn a kid's day around. So just another thing to think about if you're looking to help schools out, especially our public schools that could use all the love you can give right now. Amen. Awesome. Well, this is fantastic. I, I appreciate that. Um, I <laughs> certainly something very near and dear to to my heart uh, that teachers are, are well taken care of. Um, anything else you want to shout out, though? Uh, go Cyclones. <laughs> Perfect. I think that, that I works. think that, yeah, that, that is a Cyclone state. <laughs> well, excellent uh meg we appreciate this we have taken up far too much of your time uh especially for a school night gosh darn it um but uh we are very happy that you came to, to chat about a little bit of anything and everything uh returning guest very much we hope that you do come back on for yet another time on this Thank podcast you. absolutely we would love to have you uh Listeners, you have wasted another bit of your time with old man strength. We are very grateful for that. Please make sure to go ahead and check out our sponsors. 
Revelton Distilling Company at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa. You can go ahead and uh, check out Kyle Lehman at Wintrust Mortgage. Please check out all of the other pods on the Three Beards Media Sphere. Fill in the blank with Anya, uh, Bitter Units, Sigh of the Storm, WS10 Warner, Warriors, and everything else that we still have to come. So just keep an eye. There might be another few people joining us to uh, to join the Three Beards family. So please take a look. And with that, we will see you guys next time. Uh-oh.